welcome to episode 25 of Slaytanic Verkas. Doc, we've hit the quarter century. What about that? I can't believe that. It's, it's, mm. it's like a moving experience for me, actually. Um, I know there's nothing of particular mathematical or mathematical significance about the number 25, but uh, it's, it's a quarter century. Um, I'd be quite pleased if that was my... Um, my, my my score uh, as opening batsman in a test match. Of course. Um, or a break in the frame of snooker. You'd be happy. Yeah. Or um, my first three darts, would I be satisfied with 25? I'd be satisfied with something. You, very often with darts, you get the score of 26, don't you? Because you've got the five and the one either side of the 20. So people are aiming at the 20 and, and one drifts to the left and hits the five, and then they readjust, but they readjust too much, and they hit the one. So 26 is a really common dart score. I've got a question for you. You're correct. Everyone aims at 20. And if you ever see a dartboard in a pub, you can see the, the prickles in and around the 20, and you can see why do people never aim for, like, the five o'clock in the afternoon portion yeah. of the board? Yeah. The, there's, there's a whole bunch of high scorers all bunched around there and it's kind of difficult to go wrong if you just aim for that why, why don't people do that i think there's kind of an ego thing going on really i i think it's almost kind of i don't know maybe it's kind of viewed as as, as bad sportsmanship or something because i've had the same thought you know why don't people aim at the like the treble eight the treble 18 because then i think if you drift to the right you get a much higher number than a one or a five i can't remember the number off the top of my head but yeah you're but you're quite right I think you've got 17, 18, 19, and 14 all bunched up together. All around there together, yeah. 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 I don't know, but the, 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 I think there's like a purity of the game that, that's expected, which is, you know, unless you have a mathematical reason to go for a different number, you go for that treble 20. It's, it's a bit like starting a fist fight with a kick to the bollocks, is it? <laughs> I think so, you know. You, you're just not playing the game right, man. Um, okay. We are... The internet's only comprehensive chronological retrospective of the world's greatest thrash metal band, the mighty Slayer. Most weeks, we dissect a track from their back catalogue by playing through the song, yada, yada, yada. You've heard all this before. I'm Mo from France, and to my west, broadcasting from the snow-blasted summit of Scaffold Pike, it's Dr. Lequescence. What are you doing up there, Doc? I'm um, <laughs> my boots. Quite literally. Go on. Um, it takes me quite a long time to get nine matching boots um, of a sort of similar, similar style and in the diversity of sizes. So from children's size three um, to, um, I suppose, Scandinavian infantrymen. Yeah. And the, the trouble is, when you do go shoplifting for shoes, you, you stick out like a sore thumb, don't you, Doc? It's really hard for you to get away with it. Um, well, I have a special technique for that. Um, <laughs> I, um, I detach um, a couple of tentacles with one eye attached to them. Um, and I flobber around in the middle of the store, attracting the attention of anyone with, 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 with my malodorousness and my vile appearance. While my, my, my factotum, um, which is capable of carrying small items only, but mm -hmm. items of significant value, um, grabs something and scuttles up out of the door. I've got to ask you a question. What's a factotum, Doc? Um, a, a, a servant, um, more than a slave, 
more than a common drudge, mm. um, the kind of servant you trust to undertake difficult and complex tasks on your behalf. Um, a James Bond henchman. Mm-hmm. Oh, Pierre, you're talking about my friend Pierre, aren't you? Yes, I, I use him as a factotum, but I, I never knew that, that, that that's what he was called. Um, yeah. Video game update. Here we go. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Now, I presume you've heard of the Tomb Raider franchise. I'm familiar with it, yes. Mm. Now, of course, Tomb Raider started way back in the day on PlayStation 1. I'm going to say... 1997, but don't shoot right. me if I'm wrong. Pause here for 20 yeah, seconds. I'm going to get something interesting to show you. Go on, Doc. So, um, recently I was cataloguing and I suppose one would even say tidying up uh, the Lucrescent the, the archive of printed um, media, mm-hmm. um, which I've been accumulating for a long time now. Um, I used to buy um, the face. Uh, relatively frequently, not every month, but probably a good one month out of two. And I wish I'd kept a lot more of them um, because they're a really, really interesting document of the cutting edge of popular culture at that time. Um, Just about the only one I've found, by complete coincidence, I'm going to hold up and show to you. And the fact that you you found that on the top of Scaffold Pike is frankly remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. What what we're looking at here, uh, boys and girls, is a copy of the face and the dominant figure the 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 cover image is none other than Lara Croft in all in all her polygonal beauty from the original Tomb Raider Fab, cool. fabulous doc absolutely fabulous fascinating um, yeah. i'm going to find the, i'm going to find the article inside first of all um, i can confirm the date uh, it's 5th of June 1997 there we go so i was pretty so i was, I was pretty spot on in my 1997 guess yeah um, so anyway please continue yeah, so uh, arrived on the PlayStation 1, and we had a trilogy, Tomb Raider 1, 2, and 3, all of them really, really excellent. Then the franchise, as often happens, went into a real tailspin, terrible version after terrible version after terrible version. And it wasn't until, I think, 2011, 2012, a company called Crystal Dynamics took up the mantle, rebooted it for the for the current consoles, and my God, they breathe, they breathe fresh life into it. Shadow of the Tomb Raider is the third in the recent trilogy. It's more really of a collectathon than like a full-on action game. So you spend your time wandering through beautiful jungle locales, picking up relics, polishing um, stat- statuettes, and uh, looking at murals. It's really, really immersive. Uh, not much gunplay. Um, it's great, man. The, but the difficulty spikes are enormous. If you when you when you put that bad boy on the hardest setting, because there is almost no action in the game, when you suddenly are confronted by a big action sequence, you know sometimes it's been an hour since you've had to fire your gun in anger, and you kind of forget the, the controls. You, you forget what buttons to press because you know it, it, it's 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 so rare in the game. It's a cracker, though. Beautiful. Immersive, great, great, fun shadow of the Tomb Raider. Okay, chow time, motherfuckers. We remember, here we go. Chow time. We've got a couple here, Doc. Um, in fact, I think we might have four. In the Crypts of Eternity episode, I said the Bolt Thrower's vocalist was called Carl Williams. It was, of course, Carl 
Willits. May the warring factions forgive me for my slip of the tongue. Um, here's a big one. Error number two. This is a biggie, Doc, and, and we really should be scolded for this. We, ma we missed out a whole verse of lyrics. Totally my fault. I just missed it. I missed it. I mean, what are you going to do? Luckily, the lyrics are utter shit, so it doesn't really matter. But still, an oversight. Um, you're not even inclined to read them out for us now. I've got them. I've got them. Uh, let me subject you. Let me subject you to them. Here we go. Grinding bones, screaming skulls, broken by the lapse of time, decay to powder, ashes to dust, diminishing, disintegrating man's soul and mind. It's a secret. It's a series of words, isn't it? But like it contains a reference to screaming skulls. It does. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And, and we love those from. But our, our love of doom means any any reference to screaming, especially if they're on fire. My God, we love it. <laughs> we love it when skulls are on fire for some reason. <laughs> um, here we go. Error number three. Sorry, we had sound problems again. This time there was some terrible echo. Just only really for the last ten minutes. What can we say? We're doing our best. You know the doc broadcasts from weird and wonderful places so every so often we're gonna have problems our apologies um still not finished album overview episode mistakes i suggested that the cloth family that you so beautifully described as part of an advertisement for you know like bolognese sauce i suggested Doc, that they were the ragu family and not as you kept insisting, and you kept banging on and on and on about it. The Dolmio family, you were quite, quite right. I was totally right. I feel so ashamed. It is very important in this woke day and age that we do not misrepresent cloth puppet stock. I feel truly awful. I mean, I don't identify as a cloth puppet. Um, no. I do identify as a shapeless, putrefying mass of tentacles and eyes and excretory organs, because I am. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you, you know how important it is to be, you know, for your for your true self to be appreciated and represented. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm egregiously disappointed that there's so much fabrophobia in evidence. It, it, it and, and 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 I'm so guilty. I do apologise. Um, and again, just a final apology. Again, we, 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 we had Echo going on. Guys, I can only apologise so many times. Um, topic of the week. Here we go. Hmm, what shall I hit Dr. Lequescence with today? Here we go. Things that impress you about bands, Doc. I've got three. Things that impress you about bands. You know, the quality of a band, a characteristic Things things that makes things that make you go. Hmm. Um, this might sound very superficial, but I'm going to justify this and explain it by saying that my initial encounter with almost any band in almost any genre, um, no, about half of the genres of music I listen to, my first encounter with any band is going to be the live show. Yeah. Almost certainly, I can't hear the lyrics. Almost certainly, I can't hear the subtleties in the music. So the thing that's going to make the biggest impression on me. The thing that's going to make, make me pay attention to a band, and I kind of apologise for my shallowness, and I kind of don't, but it's the look. Oh, yes. Okay, so the aesthetic. Sharp. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
have they paid some attention to how they present themselves? Um, have they taken any steps to have a personal aesthetic that supports the musical aesthetic? Um, and yeah, might be superficial, but I can't help it. That's the single thing that impresses it or makes the most impression upon me. Yeah, so that's, that's your first one. Um, Ed, can you give us any examples, you know, of, of bands that have, you know, where the aesthetic has, has been particularly pleasing? Um, I'll stick to metal from now. Mm-hmm. Um, not a very good band. Um, not one that I, mean, I enjoy quite a bit. Um, but almost by accident, um, I saw Nocturnus, and as soon as I saw them, um, I decided that... Um, all of a sudden, I was into Nocturnus, and for at least as long as that show lasted, um, I really liked Nocturnus um, because um, they had the Nine Inch Nails, um, forearm straps, um, they had big inverted crucifixes hung around their necks. They <laughs> practiced, um, the two guitarists and the bass player had practiced the synchronized hair rotation. Mm, oh, yes, so, fabulous. Uh, they, they, they could do that fantastic thing um, where the the two guitarists standing on the on the perimeters could rotate their hair in opposite directions <laughs> whilst the bass player flapped his hair up and down. And they, they had it synchronized as well. And I mean, stuff like that makes a fucking impression on you. Yeah, like, 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 like a Chinook, basically. Yeah, very much like that. Yeah. Um, like, 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 a, like a Chinook with a small sling load under his belly. Don't keep killing me. That's really made me chuckle. Um, you know when <coughs> when you've basically gone into a music venue on metal night because you've got four hours to wait before your bus leaves. Uh, you want to be made to feel belong to, to made to feel like you belong. And Nocturnus rotating their hair, oh yeah, waving their nine inch nails around, um, and um, with their matched pointy guitars. I feel at home here. Yeah, it's a fine choice. And anybody who, who hasn't heard the key album from Nocturnus, do yourself a favour, guys. Get out there and listen to that, because it is brilliant. Lake of Fire is a standout cut. And what's the one, Doc, about them travelling back in time and killing Jesus in the manger? What's that called? <laughs> That's BCAD, mate. BCAD. Um, a, worthwhile, a worthwhile album, because it contains two of my favourite lyrics ever. The song Droid Sector. <laughs> contains the line, the evil robot I construct to aid in my escape. I thought it was called Enter the Droids, but am I wrong about that? Um, the chorus is nearly the, the terse statement, Enter the Droids. There we go. That's my confusion. I'm pretty confident the song is called Droid Sector. Yeah, yeah. Um, song, um, BCAD. Um, contains the brilliant rhyming, rhyming couplet. Something, something, <coughs> so is defile, blazing my woman and child, laughing hysterically all of the while, which you cannot help but love. Yeah, great. Um, Absolutely I love Nocturnus. Yeah, Nocturnus is fabulous. My first um, thing about bands that impresses me would be consistency. A bit boring, maybe, but just consistency you know this doesn't mean every track on an album has to be an absolute banger but you know very few duds 
you know, none of those tracks that we, the, 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 the CD was invented for, as we were talking about last, last week, you know, um, <laughs> just a level of consistency. There's some clearly some kind of quality control going on where the guys and gals are clued up enough to listen to their own music and go, you know what? That one sucks. Let's let, let, let's leave that on. Let, let's leave that in the practice room. I have almost, they're not completely conflicted because in the end I did come down on one side with myself. Um, one side got over my bipolar disorder a bit. Um, and this, this, this is a bit of a conflict for me. Um, on the one hand, I've got real, real sympathy with the, what we might call the, the, the Grateful Dead approach, which is record every damn thing. Yeah. And if you can't be able to put it out, um, at least make a big point of the fact that you're turning a blind eye to bootlegging. Yeah, this is like uh, Frank Zappa or The Fall or, you know, people of that kind of ilk, isn't it? Just like that, yeah. Yeah, I get um, it. And I've, I've got real sympathy with that approach. Um, my sympathy for it or my tolerance for it has been eroded a lot by um, the internet. Yeah. And just because it's so fucking easy to puke the sound of your farts mm-hmm. onto YouTube. There's, there's too much material out there. And um, I, I mean, my, my life is going to be very long and much of it is going to be very lonely. Hundreds of years of loneliness, but mm. even that amount of time is not enough to listen to everything. Sure. Um, and I've got equal um, sympathy with, um, as Rob Grutton said about Joy Division, he said Joy Division is two albums and everything else is merchandise. Mm-hmm. And there's truth um, to that, isn't there, really? I, 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 love, I love Joy Division a great deal, but, you know, I, I, I would say after, you know, there's 12 or 15 songs and after that, you know, I, 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 they're, they're the tracks I gravitate towards and, and the rest I can kind of take them or leave them, you know? Well, it, you've got to make your mind up. Is is the curation as much a part of the composition as the writing of the words and the music? Yeah. And I've had to come to the conclusion that it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, what rock and roll bands do is they make albums and they mm-hmm. play live shows. Um, you go to see a jazz band hoping to see something different every time. And even if it's a song you think you know well, you'll hopefully see it arranged in a different way or performed in a different way or something different about it. You go to see a quote-unquote rock and roll band um, with the anticipation of seeing not a slavish um, remanufacturing of what's on the album, but you, um, you like that song because you like that song performed in that way with those bits where you, ex- where, where you expect them to be. And I've had to come to the conclusion that the curation of the material is at least as important as the writing of the lyrics and the writing of the music. No, I totally agree. The, 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 n- nothing uh, dampens the enthusiasm for a, a live performance than you know a band that you, that you like um, deciding to play one of their kind of classic cuts, but like in an alternative style. Or you know the, 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 a, a different a different variation. I, I hear horror reports of uh, Bob Dylan, for example. You know, where, where, where even even died in the wool Bob Dylan fans only realise the song that he's actually attempting to play halfway through the song because it's so different to the to the album version. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. 
Um, didn't Bob Dylan kind of invent the definitive version of doing that? Oh, really? Uh, well, I, I, if I've got this right, he basically alienated his whole entire audience um, in five minutes flat um, by building up this fan base of people who liked him for his very, very quiet acoustic guitar and harmonica and poetry meditations. And then at the height of his fame, um, he decided to turn up with um, an, an electric band. Mm. Um, you have to respect it to a little bit, something like that, to have the, you know, to have the cojones just to, to stick a middle finger up to your own fans. You know, it, it takes some, it takes some, it, it, it takes some bottle, I would say. Yeah, it does. Um, in those days, maybe it was challenging, mm. but if I had decided I was going to see Slayer, for instance. Mm and Slayer decided they were going to choose that night to unveil their all-new future Euro-techno direction. Sure. I wouldn't be delighted. No, nothing wrong with Euro-techno, by the way, but that ain't why you're paying your money for Slayer, is it? Um, well, there are better examples of Euro-techno for me to go to, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Come on then, Doc, your second thing that, that impresses you about a band. Tightness. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a borderline fetish for tightness. Um, Stop sniggering at the back, please, children. Um, I also have um, a borderline fetish for musicians who are able to play tight and precisely. Yes, um, of course. Please. Well done, Doc. Well done, Doc. You've satisfied the, uh, the, the more juvenile amongst our listeners. Um, I will satisfy them. Um, <laughs> uh, no, um... I can cope with a good deal of bad of, of bad musicianship. Mm-hmm. I can cope with a good deal of um, people getting huffy about. Uh, there's nothing difficult about that solo. Uh, all he's doing is waggling his tremolo arm. That's not really playing. Uh, that's just feedback. Um, but I need to be able to perceive that the band are functioning as a unit with at least some basic discipline amongst their members. Sure. And uh, give, me, give me some exponents of this fine art. Um, you, you're not going to get better than Helmet. Mm-hmm. Not go, um, similarly, you're going to be really, really pushed to get over Don Caballero or Godspeed You Black Emperor. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Godspeed You Black Emperor can be as tight as Helmet, but slower. I don't know Don Caballero. They... <clears throat> They're on the sort of probably the more jazz side of Chicago hardcore than you would really appreciate. They, mm. they, they specialize in um, not tunes so much, very, very complex rhythms, very, very complex time signatures, lots of stops and starts, lots of very <clears throat> um, hairpinny changes in time signature. Mm. Um, I'd say a prototype of, um, I believe, what people call genty nowadays. Uh, this is D J E N T, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've never, I've never quite known how to. I would say gent, but you, you may well be right. Um, you, you're talking like Mushuga, aren't you? That kind of, that kind of band. Yeah. Anything that's kind of borderline excessively musicianly. Yeah. Um, I think gent, you, you might say anything which might possibly justify um, the the accusation of now you're just showing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, would, would Dream Theater fall into Gent? Or, or I presume they predate it, don't they, by many, many years? 
Um, I think dream theatre are too obviously capable and too accessibly accessibly capable. Sure. Um, dream theatre are along the lines of a superbly capable classical ensemble yeah. who can um, play really complex Bach compositions mm, really, really mm. well. Um, Don Caballero and the math rock people, and then lastly the gent people, um, I think are the spiritual heirs to people such as John, John Coltrane and, Cornet, uh, and Ornette Coleman. Um, and their complexity is in um, playing rhythms that shouldn't go together, but they make them fit. Very yeah. little reliance on tune. Um, very, very little reliance on what we might call compositional structure. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it kind of is borderline, now you're just showing off. Well, there you um, go. There you go, kids. The doc has given you some homework there. Good Lord. Um, my second attribute that I appreciate would be single-mindedness. I like a band that, you know, comes up with a formula, sticks with it, never changes, never deviates, but is able to consistently deliver finely crafted songs. Examples would be uh, in the metal um, spectrum would I mean obviously bolt thrower goes without saying, um, but then but then you've got people like Nile and of course Amonomath you know the the kings of of Viking death metal um, you know lit, literally every song is exactly the same and they're fucking brilliant oh, I love Amonomath you know so single minded perfect for me yeah third one doc. Well, I'm going to comment on what you just said there. Go on. Um, because once again, it's something I'm conflicted about. And this also has to do with age. Um, you'll very often hear me talk about how much I admire, particularly certain bands from the 60s, because they're so eclectic and because they're capable of many different styles and they, they invent one style after another throughout the 60s. Um, latterly, I am greatly distrustful of people who I suspect, I, I believe I have grounds to suspect of bandwagon jumping. There's nothing more disappointing than, and the archetypal example of this is some band who started off um, being a thrash band of some kind, and then they went a bit grunge in 1992. Then they, oh, went, yeah. a bit rap, then they went a bit rap metal in 1995. Then yeah. they went a bit, a bit new metal in 1998. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if I believe I can smell bandwagon jumping or, 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 or trend hopping, um, and it comes back to what I just said about Slayer playing Eurotechno. Um, I listen to lots of different kinds of music, but I'm sorry, if I want to go and listen to some blasphemous cyber necro metal, I'll pick a band like Impaled Nazarene, who mm -hmm. made a long career playing blasphemous cyber necro metal, and they're really <laughs> That's right. Um, I'm not interested in your band, um, exploring um, their new blasphemous cyber necro metal mm. direction. Mm. No, um, I get it. There's there's a phrase uh, there's there's a phrase referring to this from the yeah. the glory days of uh, of the NME. I don't know what band said this. I believe it was the Soup Dragons, um, but um, the phrase the NME always used. So um, when some band did this, when they said, um, "Oh, you know, we're, we're exploring this new direction." the enemy would always make some reference to, and there's always been a dance element to their music. Oh, yes. Um, and this refers to a period in the 1990s when every bunch of losers 
um, felt the need to buy a sampler and a drum machine um, and hire someone to do a rap section on their record. And then they would inevitably say, oh, but there's always been a dance element. No, there hasn't. No, there yeah. never was. Oh, um, the, 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 those, um, those rap breakdowns in the middle of 90, 1990s songs are absolutely shocking aren't they when you know to, really are excruciating to the modern ear absolutely absolutely terrible come on doc number three um things that impress me about bands um so i was going to say um a a, a, a consistent a, a consistent worldview um you know um and since you sort of stolen that bit of thunder out from underneath me um, I'm going to take a minute to think about that, and I'm going to ask you for your third one. Is that okay? Go on then. Yeah, no, 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 fair enough. Um, I would say the ability to reproduce the the record live. Nothing irritates me more, um, particularly with 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 metal bands, than you know, like multi-tracked guitars. Um, so they've got two guitarists, and when you listen to the album, there's. You know, there's four different guitar lines going on. And then when you go and see them live, there's just two guitarists and it sounds, it just sounds empty and weak. I mean, I mean famous examples of this would be, you know, um, obviously Metallica. My God, if you see Metallica playing the Justice stuff live, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. It is unacceptable. As much as I love that album, it is... It is impossible to reproduce live with two guitars. So, are you trying to kid? You know, it's 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 it's, it's so weak. It's it, it it's awful. Um, Pantera were another one from that kind of. Of course, they were later, but you know, in my mind, Metallica and Pantera are contemporaries for some strange reason. Um, you know, some of like territorial pissings on the album. My God, it's it's a proper kind of head banging thrash monster live. As soon as Dimebag Daryl goes into his solo, suddenly there's nothing there. There's nothing there to mosh to. It's just a it's just a waste of space. It's awful, Doc. I think this became such an apparent problem with Pantera that they. Uh... I think they, they sort of ganged up on Phil and made him um, play guitar. Oh, really? They, 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 they strapped, a, they strapped a, a rhythm guitar to him and, and, and forced him to play? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you, 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 can't, you can't have Mouth for War without no. the rhythm section and the solo. No, 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 no. no. It, it, it's utterly, utterly unacceptable. Have you formulated your final thought, Doc? Um, yes, I have. And it's kind of an addendum to your last one, uh, but I think it's certainly different enough to stand. Um, a band must display progress. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean, um, I mean the exact opposite of what we we're just talking about. So don't ditch the style that we loved you for in the first place and try and hang on the coattails or something else. But take that style and run with it and try to do something more. If that means that you evolve in two albums time, into something that sounds nothing like your first sing uh, single, that's fine. Yeah. Um, as long as there's a breadcrumb trail from point A to point B to point C. Yeah. I totally um, agree. I totally agree. A great example of this for me is um, the fabulous Finnish uh, Doom Death Legends Amorphis. Um, you know, they're they're. Um, is it my is it my my Cantil, uh, the Karelian Isthmus? And then, of course, their um, their most famous offering was Tales from a Thousand Lakes, I think, with stuff like um, 
Black Winter's Day. Um, oh God, I can't, I can't think of any of the track titles, but it, it but it is it's a sensational album. Fast forward twenty years, you know that the music is no longer Death Doom. You know it's much more accessible, kind of rock almost. But there is no doubt, there is no doubt. If you've heard that early stuff, that DNA is stitched right into it, and it's still great. There's almost nothing I like better than watching people. Um, goes for film directors, goes for writers and authors, goes for musicians, getting better at what they do in public. Yeah. Um, there's a particular favourite writer of, of mine, um, and um, I've... I followed his career from his first book. Um, I dropped out for a bit, and I'm trying. I'm playing catch up at the moment, and it's delightful to write to to read his first book, which is enthusiastic and has some good ideas, but isn't very good. And to watch the guy honing his skills and getting better and better in public. Sure. Um, and he's he's kept to his his basic themes, but um, effectively he still writes songs about the same subject, but. He's just a better guitarist than he used to be. Yeah, of course. It's just that progression. Um, it's great to see, isn't it? Uh, it's 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 one of the, yeah. It's one of the things I love the most. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree, Doc. We've been prattling on there for no less than forty minutes. I think maybe we should start the episode. What do you reckon? I think so too. Um, let's forget. Don't forget, guys. You can contact us um, on Twitter at Vercast or on email at slatanicvercast at gmail Come, um, here comes part two. Welcome to part two of the show. Here, we're just going to listen to some different bands playing the tracks off the album we've just completed, which was, of course, Hello Waits, The Rules. I typed the name of the song into YouTube. The first cover version I found where the band had a page on Encyclopedia Metallum. That's the one I went with. No quibbles, no bias, no preference. Just keeping it real, Doc. Do you approve? Absolutely, I do, yeah. I couldn't think of a better way to do it. You know, so I, I allowed Google to dictate my life as they do in every other <laughs> aspect. A <laughs> um, little bit of satire there for you guys. Here we go. So, track number one is, of course, Hello Waits. And this is being played by none other than Cradle of Filth. Here we go. faithful uh, reproduction even of the intro really you know that they, they, they seem to have made some effort to make it sound pretty similar yeah well i mean uh, cradle of filth are no stranger to adapt to uh, an atmospheric intro or two now are they that's that is true that is true it's almost as it, it's almost as if they learned everything that, everything they know from maiden and slayer isn't it almost <laughs> Thank you. 
bombastic enough for you, Doc? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, nothing I uh, nothing I wouldn't have expected. Hmm. I, I would have been disappointed if Cradle of Filth had presented with anything ever. I mean, the obvious addition here is the, you know, like the really dramatic and bombastic uh, synths, you know, elevating it really for me. I like it. I must be honest with you. I'll, I'll come clean. I bloody love Cradle of Filth. So, you know, they can almost do no wrong for me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a black metal sellout in that way, Doc. What are you going to do? Um, I'm going to say I love Cradle of Filth as well. Good for you, man. Um, Good for you. If this song doesn't very, very soon suddenly go, <laughs> you'll be disappointed. Here we go, let's find out. They're delivering, aren't they? They're, they're delivering. You know, we knew what to expect, and they're, and they're just giving us what we want, basically. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, it's it's actually such a nice fit. I think it could easily pass for a Cradle of Filth composition, don't you? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. The, the, the other Cradle of Filth cover that, I, the, that I've heard that I really love, they, they do a fabulous version of um, Hallowed Be Thy Name by Maiden. I recommend it, guys. If you haven't heard it, go and check that out on YouTube. It's fabulous. I'm going to skip forward a bit, Doc, and uh, get into the fast stuff. Sorry, Doc. I thought you put. I thought you wanted me to stop. You put your finger up. I thought you were asking me to stop the music. I was going to say, "There's the." Yeah. Part. Well, he, for such a little man, because Danny <laughs> Filth, he's only, he's only like five foot two or something, isn't he? He's a, he really is a, like a diddy little thing. He makes incredible noises with his lungs and throat. Yes. Very impressive. I, I, I don't know how you know. I don't know how artificial. He, he's obviously getting getting some help, uh, some some acoustical <laughs> help. <laughs> very very impressive. Here we go. It's absolutely fantastic. It's it, it it's all I could have hoped for and more, Doc. It's wonderful. Absolutely, it is. I love um, it. All hail the filth. Yeah, fantastic. We, that's enough of that one, I reckon. Um, I think it's clear that we thoroughly enjoyed that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I, I, I was a hater uh, on. I was a, I, uh, I was a hater on the filth for quite a long time. I, uh, I thought they, um, to coin a phrase from hip hop, I thought they'd bitten an underground style and sold it out. Oh, I like that. I've never heard that before. I like it a lot. Yeah, um, I think they were. Uh, I think they were biting. I, I thought they were biting ass motherfuckers. I thought they'd bitten an underground. Oh style God, no. No, but they were uh, spewing. They weren't biting. They were spewing, Doc, I would say. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but um, time heals. Um, and whilst it's important to keep that thought in your mind, um, after all this time, I should probably just listen to the records. Well, and to go back to our topic subject, you know, talk about uh, like consistency, aesthetics that you mentioned. You know, I think I think they tick quite a few of those six boxes that we that we laid out for you know bands that we really approve of. Um, quite tight as well. They are pretty tight. It is true. Here we go. Track two, of course, from the album is "Kill Again," and this time, my friend, we're going to hear it performed by none other than the legendary. Angel Corpse. Here we go. <laughs> So, you know, as as we discussed this song, we were talking about you know the the, the proto death metal nature of it and how influential it would would be you know a few years hence on the on the death metal movement. And here we have a full on death metal band, Angel Corpse, no less. Good God! If honestly, guys, if you haven't heard Angel Corpse, go and check them out. They're absolutely monstrous. Um, delivering kill again in their inimitable style. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it is an, an inimitable style of theirs. I don't think I'd noticed until that moment how European Angel Corpse sound for a Tampa death metal band. Yeah. Um, is there a name? Do, do you know whether or not there's a correct name for... Um, it sounds to me like the guitars are produced with not much distortion, but a lot of sustain. So there's there's almost no decay in the guitar. It sounds like um, almost something you can imagine coming out of a synthwave generator or almost out of a keyboard. Um, after the, the, the string is struck, the sound doesn't die away much. It's sure. sustained at the exact, and, and that's what I always think of as being the, the primary difference between US death metal and European death metal. And that's that's why I think that sounds distinctly European. No, 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 very interesting. It, that, that, that kind of gives us that kind of rolling kind of chainsaw guitar sound that, that you get on stuff like, I don't know, Edge of Sanity, Dismember, those kind of bands. Unearthed, not Unearthed, um, Unleashed, for example. Yeah, yeah exactly. well, well, there's no drop-off. It's, it's like there's no gate, isn't it? You know, it, it just kind of keeps re resonating. So every time they hit the strings again, it almost just kind of adds to the cacophony. Yeah. Um, I... Um... To, as an example of that style, I think hypocrisy are always my go-to. 
Oh, it was it, it, absolutely yes, Ab absolutely perfect exemplar of 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 the, of the sound we're we're describing here. Hip, yeah, hip. I mean, for me, I, I would say hypocrisy and dismember. Listen to those two bands, and you and you totally understand what we're talking about. Um, yeah. do, do you want a little bit more? Um, yeah, because then I, I, I'm I'm going to follow up with a uh, um, a secondary point. So yeah, yeah. more. Here we go. More. Another thirty seconds or so. Perfect place to pause it there. Go on, point number two. I never would have made the direct connection that that particular track would have become so influential on European or European-inflected death metal in mm -hmm. the future. And it's a marvellous example of people who hear things in a song that I don't. Um, the members of Angel Corpse evidently um, heard the original track, which doesn't sound very much like that, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we played that track in this style? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, I love it when that happens too. Uh, I love it when you, you, you get some evidence that somebody else who's a better musician than you and who has a better ear than you spots something in a song that you would never have spotted in a million yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 always, always a genuine pleasure. And, and we'll tie in to next week topic oh there's a throw forward for you a little spoiler teaser not a spoiler a teaser in fact um have we heard enough of that doc or do you, do you want another 30 seconds before we move on to the next track no i think we should move on um, all right here we go track three at dawn they sleep by and here's a name i've never heard before overt enemy here we go Overt enemy doc, first thoughts? Um, so my first thoughts, to, to ask you a question really, what do you think of Die Straight covers? Do you like them or do you not like them? Are you one of the people who doesn't see the point or do you really sort of appreciate it when someone tries to show their appreciation by nailing not just the song, but the exact style and the exact moves with which the original did it? Yeah, so when you say Die Straight, you mean it's almost like, a, like cloning it, like replicating it almost? Yeah, um, attempting to get as damn close as you can. Yeah, I am more in the former camp than the latter, I must say. You know, it's almost like, what's the point? Um, yeah. I do prefer a cover version to bring something new to the party. Um, you know... In, in, in the time that I've been in bands, you know, I've played multiple cover versions. I don't think I've ever played a like a straight metal song. 
as a cover version. Maybe the closest was an old thrash band I was in, and we did we did a version of a Paradise Lost song. But of course, the Paradise Lost song is is very kind of doomy and gothic, and we and we thrashed it up. So even though it was metal, it was it was still you know slightly different style. But yeah, just you know, just you know, being a thrash band and covering a thrash song, I, I, I do wonder. I do wonder why. I understand the enjoyment of, of playing it, um, but but I don't quite understand uh, kind of what you're trying to prove or what message you're sending to your fans. That's the that's the bit I miss. Um, I think of it such as um, if you had any ambitions to be a painter, um, to be an artist, no matter what kind of artist you considered yourself, I can imagine you might. Um, for training and discipline and self-study and practice, you might try to execute as damn near perfect a copy of a Vermeer or a Renoir or sure. something. Mm-hmm. And you might try to do that just to see if you could do it. I don't see why you then want to put that in your own exhibition. A good example of this, I think it's Stephen King. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I, I'm sure it's Stephen King that talks about... Um, when you know when he was very young, pre pre publication of of Carrie, I think it was his first book, wasn't it? Um, mm. He would sit down on occasion and literally type out a chapter of a book that he really liked. Um, very, I've, I've never heard another writer say something like this before. But it's, to me, it's kind of a sim- that's that's a similar process, isn't it? Really, you just kind of you're just replicating. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 kind of the um, the piano practice approach to, um, or you know, the the, the the golf swing approach. Yeah. Um, if under tuition, or if by copying somebody else, you repeat a certain thing often enough, it will get into your muscle memory, or right. it will go into deep neural paths. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when, and then once you've got that thing off, once you can do it the one way, the correct way then and only then make, do you give yourself the freedom to start improvising on it and doing your own stuff with that. But you've got sure. to get it right first. Shall we see if Over Enemy bring anything new to the party in the next 30 seconds? Awaken, I have become I now slips away Manipulate your mind Darkness is my slave Taste the sins of hell The blood that I so crave The last thing that you see in my eyes Blood sucking creatures of the night Eternals picture hiding from the light Christ gave me that to every fight Eagerly awaiting fight Apparitions from the pits of hell Death creatures seem to win to dwell Demented lust, the secrecy must keep Addicting to your blood And I'll make sleep Now, I mean, I have to say The voice is uncanny I'm going to whisper this so quietly um, that you might not even hear this. I think it's better than the original. Do you? Yeah. Because you really love this track. Off, off, uh, in fact, I, I think this was your favourite track, wasn't it, off the album? Um, yeah, it was. Mm. Um, the the one tiny hole, I, the, the one hole I picked in it. Um, was the lousy, lousy bass sound, which I love in my own perverse way. I love that lousy bass sound. Sure. Um, but the bass sound on this version uh, is much better. I think the production is clearer. I think it's it's the advantage 
you can only get, I think, when you're doing a cover version of a song that's been in the wild for a long time and which you've already heard a recorded version of. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, put the two versions side by side. And I'm not saying I like this one better. Um, I'm going to have to more or less say kind of, it's better than the original. Ouch. Sorry. Blimey. I'm just looking up some details on Encyclopedia Metallum about this band. Um, there's, there's really very, very limited information. Um, they're from they're from America. They're from Mission in Texas, apparently. Um, they've been active since 2013. They put out two EPs and then a compilation of those two EPs in 2018, 19, and 20, respectively. And that's all the information I've got for you. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I, I like the vibe. I, I like the sound. I like the like the almost like industrial aspect. Of, that's a drum machine, isn't it? That, that, that's, that, that, that's not a real drummer, surely? Um, I'm not sure. It's a very well-programmed drum machine because it's got proper fills and stuff in it. Yeah. Let's, let's have a listen to the next 30 seconds and see if we can... De- Determine is, is this is this a human drummer or a machine drummer? Let's find out. As we're listening, I, I'm I'm doing some live research, and yeah, it, it is a real drummer, a chap called Jamie Ayala, apparently on drums from 2013 to the present day. So yeah, it, it's the production that kind of sounds a bit artificial, isn't it? But but, but apparently, it, it, it is a human a human man playing it. Um, but I mean, if you can, once you can tweak your head into accepting the, the 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 production of the drums, I think it's a beautiful drum sound. I think mm. it's a beautiful bass sound as well. Mm. Um, and I love the guy's vocals. Yeah, and and, and so close, to, so close to Tom. It's it, it, it's crazy, actually. Um, very, very, very similar. Uh, should we move on to the next track? Have we heard enough? Overt Enemy. Great name, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's listen to the next track. Here we go. So we've got Praise of Death by Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some death metal stylings now, well and truly. Um, this is Sinister, the legendary Dutch death metal band Sinister. Um, giving it their all here. What do you reckon? What do you reckon of that one, Doc? I mean, it's it's all right. There's mm. nothing wrong with it. Um, doesn't do doesn't add much to the original um, born 
conceptually death metal enough as a song. God, what did I just say? It's not born conceptually death metal enough as a song. <laughs> you, you, you've been reading far too many Kerry King lyrics, Doc. <laughs> Ouch, that was a diss. Um, <laughs> that was a slam, my friend. It was. Um, ouch. I know, I got you there. The big difference, of course, here is the is the speed. Um, you know, the, the, the original track, I'm looking at it here, is 5 minutes 20, and these guys knock it out in 4 minutes 7 seconds. So, you know, you're looking at a 20% um, uptake in speed, and you can hear it. I think it kind of works. Yeah, definitely. It's not terrible. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's not a, a slavish but inferior repro. Um, I, I'm going to say it's an interesting experiment. Yeah. I can see why they did it. Mm-hmm. Have you had enough of that one, Doc? You, you, you seem a little bit um, nonplussed by it. At the moment, I'm a little bit nonplussed. Can we have some more, please? Go on, I'll give you another 30 seconds. Here we go. <laughs> change much they're just going to kind of rip along at blistering pace being all kind of cookie monster death metal um i like sinister I, i'm kind of predisposed to like this um the, you know this this is my kind of death metal really pacey with that you know proper kind of growly 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 vocals that, that, that are actually coherent which i've mentioned before you can hear what he's saying um which i like a lot and, and Dutch. Who, who doesn't like the Dutch? So, you know, for me, that's, that's, <laughs> that's three ticks. <laughs> I have no rational way of disagreeing with you. Fair enough. Here we go. Track five would be, let's remind ourselves, please, of course, the mighty necrophiliac and the brave souls that have decided to tackle this absolute masterpiece are none other than un- Dead prophecies. Let's see what they're about. There's that guitar sound we were talking about, Doc. That that rolling kind of European, you know, Scandinavian in particular, guitar sound. You know, with with with, with no kind of gate, no drop off. There it is. That that's what we were talking about, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, don't know where these people are from. Um, a very, very, very not Tampa Bay um, production on the drums mm-hmm. as well. Um, very, very nice, spacious, not excessively echoey, just a nice, spacious miking up of the kit. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, some details about undead prophecies. I'm looking at Encyclopedia Metallum here. Undead prophecies, country of origin, unknown. Location, unknown. Um, <laughs> lyrical, lyrical themes, one of our favourites. Sadly... <laughs> Unknown, so we don't know what this. We don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> For the first time ever, Encyclopedia Metallum has, has let us down on the lyrical themes for, for, for comedy to our episodes. We've got to make something up. We've got to make something. <laughs> lyrical themes, uh, because it's obligatory. I have to start with darkness. Darkness. I'm. I'm going to chuck in war. Um. Obviously, I'm going to check in raping corpses. I'm going to go occult. Not occultism. Uh, <laughs> That's not the lyrical theme. It's not occultism. It is occult. And in that case, Satan. <laughs> not check Satanism. Out. No, just Satan. Here we go. Yeah, man, I dig this. I dig this seven ways since Tuesday. It's absolutely monstrous. Fucking great. Um, am I the only person who's noticed um, they lift the, the morbid melody that underpins the verse? They lift it out of the mix mm -hmm. some way. Um, in a way that I think the original one would have benefited. Not saying it's better than the original. Not sure. saying it's better than the original. But there's that. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, that line. And they've, they've done something to it. Either they've just pushed the fader up, or um, I suspect what they've done is pushed the middle up on that mm -hmm. particular guitar um, and scrape the treble and the bass away. Sure. Um, it's done something to really, really lift that fantastic, morbid, atmospheric guitar part out of the mix. And I'd really, really appreciate them for doing it. It really carries it, doesn't it? It really carries the track forward. Um, should, yeah. uh, let's get another 30 seconds and then before we move, just because I'm enjoying it so much. To be honest, I don't expect it to change much, but I just want to hear a little bit more. Yeah, man. Undead Prophecies, guys. Go and check them out. That's been added to my list of bands to listen to, I reckon. Really, really enjoyed that, Doc. Yeah, that's great. Um, I I suspect we're um, in the presence of uh, ESL vocals there. ESL being what? English as second language. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, we, we don't know, do we? Because as we know, the country of origin is unknown. So it, there's, there's no way to find out, unfortunately. But you're probably right. I'll tell you where I think they're from, um, considering what song they've chosen to cover. Um, as I once read in a description of the band Nifelheim, I think they are from hell. <laughs> Certainly, let's hope so.
Okay, so track six, of course, is Crips of Eternity, a song that we've a real kick into, Doc. So I wonder what this, I wonder what we're going to I wonder what we're going to encounter here. This is by a band called rather intriguingly Coffin Texts. Coffin Texts. T e x t s Texts. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness, uh, what can I say? Um, shit's on the original, doesn't even begin to start. Mm-hmm. Um, not merely another case of other people being perceptive enough to mine out of a thing what I was evidently unable to hear. Um, but um, this performance um, is... I suspect what the members of Slayer had in their minds when they first began to think about the song. Can we go a little bit further? We can. I'll just make the observation. I seem to remember we didn't we didn't object to the first 30, 30 seconds or minute or so of, of the of the original. It was just the, the track just kept going and going and going, didn't it? That, that, for me, that was the main problem. It just oh god, sure. and, and the verse riff was so weak. And this performance of the introduction has given me a clue Mm. as to where we might be going with this. And I would like to see if I'm right. Okay, let's press on. Honestly, it just sets me on edge. I cannot explain it. Dilly, 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 uh, dilly, dilly, dilly. Uh, I hate that riff. I think I don't think any band can save that riff. Um, no, um, it turned out not to go in the direction I, I thought. It, I thought, given their performance of the introduction, I thought they might be going for a vibe with it, something along the lines of The Tempter by The Mighty Trouble. Beware. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. What a cracker that is. Yeah. And I thought they might have been going to do something like that, and they didn't. And no, it, it doesn't matter uh, how fat you make the production. It doesn't matter how much you overplay it or how much you do. It, it, it's, it's, it's a crappy, crappy verse riff. It, 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 you know, it, and if the verse riff is bad, that's the backbone of your song, isn't it? Well, it's, it's almost like the... Um, the crippling first wave attack that no matter how good your strategy and tactics are after that, you can never recover from. Do we hear any more? In fact, before before you answer the question, let me tell you a little bit about Coffin Techs. They're from uh, America, from Los Angeles, California. Uh, death metal is their style, unsurprisingly. Lyrical themes, Egyptian mythology. So Crypts of Eternity, I, I mean, not exactly in, in their ballpark, but you can see some kind of overlap there, I suppose. Um, they've, been, they've been churning stuff out since 1997, uh, and their last release was 2016, and they're still active, apparently. I, I'm intrigued enough by them that, that, that I'm going to jot them down on my little you know list of bands to you know, to, 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 to check out. Um, but, but, but they can't say this song for me. That's the problem. Um, here's a really interesting point. Um, I can imagine how a song called Crypts of Eternity might have something to do with Egyptian mythology. Mm -hmm. Did you get any references to Egyptian mythology from the lyrics of the, or, or the themes of the actual track? Well, as, as I'm sure you recall, we, we, we talked about the lyrics for probably 45 minutes. And, yeah. you know, and at no point did Egyptian mythology once um, come out of e either of our mouths. So, no, I mean, if it's there, it's, it's very, very well veiled. Yeah, I, I just sort of felt the need to ask that question because I didn't pick one single thing that could possibly have had any reference to Egyptian mythology. Um out of the lyrics to that piece of shit when we were listening to it. And I can't think of another Slayer song that, e that ever touches on that subject area. I can't, I can't think of a, like an Egyptian-inspired track title or, or no, single can't. lyric. It's disappointing because Crypts of Eternity is a great title for Egyptian, yeah. an, an Egyptian mythology-related track. Yeah, it works perfectly. And you would, have, you would have thought that Slayer, with their love of kind of, you know, classic horror, would have, would have mined the, the mummy and the pyramids at some point. But apparently, no, they, they went nowhere near it. How about that? How about that? Last track, Doc. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued by this because, you know, do you remember the structure of this track? It's yes. Hardening of the Arteries. And it's basically like a two-minute song, then with a minute and a half outro bolted on the end so I'm, I'm gonna i'm really intrigued how this this band tackled it the band in question by the way um is a band called nocturne so let, uh, let let's see how they're fair here we go Oh, 
So we've got some black metal stylings going on here. Does it work for you? It kind of doesn't. It kind of doesn't. Mm. Um, I can't easily recognise it as being the same song. No. And I can't recognise it as a song that fits brilliantly into the style the band have. It's it's not quite a, a it's not quite a square peg in a round hole. It's 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 a slightly awkward mashing together. Um, I I don't entirely see the point. I don't entirely see what they got out of it. They don't really sound like they're enjoying themselves. Um, I presume they are. Um, yeah. I'm not sure why they thought it was a great idea to do this. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you. I, I wouldn't recognise that song until until it hits the chorus. It's only there when he says, like, sadistic minds, exchanging death, whatever the, the lines are. Then suddenly, oh, yeah, you know, it's that Slayer song. But until that moment unrecognisable I would say but that's laudable in a way surely they're, they're, they're not just kind of aping it they're, they're, they're bringing their own thing to it sure absolutely it's laudable um, I don't hate it I'm going to chalk it up, uh, I'm going to chalk it up as an, odd, as, as an oddity that I'll probably never listen to ever again no that's fair comment that's fair comment um are we done, do you think, Doc? I'll I, I tell you why I asked the question. Normally at this point, I, w- I would start telling you, you know, some information about the band we, we, we've been listening to. Trouble is, there are so many bands called Nocturne on Encyclopedia Metallum. It's impossible for me to find the, 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 the correct one. So I can't give you any further information. Can we go a bit closer to the end of the song and sure. see if the, the, the reprise bit is there? Oh, yeah, really good idea, yes. Yeah, as I can, mentioned it, why not? Can we, see, yeah. can we see if Nocturne take the trouble to reprise a song that, that, that we haven't heard them play yet? Exactly, yeah, yeah, very, very, very curious. Let, let, let's find out. So there's your answer, Doc. Yes, they do. You know, they, they, they reproduce the, the outro, um, which kind of thematically and structurally makes sense on the album, but as a standalone track, doesn't really... There's no real logic to it, is there, I suppose? No, but I quite like it. Yeah, yeah like it, it. it's got a groove. Um, yeah, so um, just what an absolute oddity. Mm, mm. Um this is, I'm just looking now, actually, I, I might be uh, sniffing a little bit closer to identifying this band. This is from the, 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 the fabled Gateways to Hell compilation, you know, a tribute to Slayer. This is Gateways right. to Hell 2, um, but I still can't tell you which nocturne it is, unfortunately. Um, I pre- I'm presuming it's an American, I'm guessing it's an American band, but no, I, I, I can't give you any further details, unfortunately. Um, I really enjoyed that, Doc, uh, li- 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 listening through to those um, seven tracks being played by alternate bands. I think it's, uh, you know, this episode that we do at the end of each kind of full release, there's no real point to it, is there? We just do it because it's just, just for fun. I think, I think the kids call it for shits and giggles. I normally end up getting a couple of things out of it. 
Um, I normally end up finding at least one song that I'm going to add to my um, like perennial list of great songs, mm. you know, which I can kick on the Alpine when I'm chilling in my Jeep. Of course, of course, yeah. I think Vore was the one from uh, Show No Mercy, wasn't the band Vore? Absolutely, Absolutely sensational. Yeah. Did it? Was it Chronix that they did? Really, really good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, of course, we've uh, we've got one from this album as well. So I always mine out a, a, a couple of a couple of versions, a couple of tracks that are going to go on my songs I like. List. Sure. Um, and it can be educational as well. Uh, it can be educational in a very mystifying way. Um, I feel like I've learned something about necrophiliac mm. um, that I didn't know before. I almost had my mind changed about fucking Crips of fucking eternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, 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 dear. Crips of eternity. Um, that, that, that song will go down in legend, I think. I want some other band somewhere in the world to write a good song and call it Crypts of Eternity. <laughs> but I, I need there to be a good song with that title. Yeah, it's a great title. It? It's a great title. It, it sets um, the expectations so high. I'm about Dundalk, I think. Really enjoyed it, but that's it for me. I've got one question before we go. Go on. Because I'm going to figure this out. Um, a metal track whose theme I assume is Ancient Egypt. Um, I can remember the name of the track. I can't remember who did it. Who did the track Mummification? Oh, no. No. Uh, mummification. It's not horrified, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted um, to say horrified, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Probably snip this bit in post-production. If you have known... <laughs> If you'd have known, it would have been goal. Yeah, yeah, no. I don't know, Doc, but, you know, I'll find out for the corrections next time. How's that? Um, <laughs> it's been a genuine pleasure to have your company, all nine limbs of your company. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and next time, good people listening, we'll be back to normal service, of course, when we will be embarking upon the legend that is raining blood with the track Angel of Death. Can you believe we're there already, Doc? No, I can't. And um, it's going to be a bit of an epic. Yeah, I think you're right. Strapping, guys. It's going to be our first three-hour episode, I reckon. Here we go. Strap in or strap on. Which, whichever floats your boat. See you later, Doc.